0: Now is not the time for any of us to be silent. For too long have too many suffered under a systemic problem in America. Too many have lost sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, fathers, and mothers. We stand in solidarity against racism and injustice. Now is the time for all to do our part and end anti-Black racism and violence. Many of us at Naughty Dog are donating to national and local organizations. Please consider donating yourself. We hope to see the beginning of lasting change for people of color in America. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Dudes,
1: welcome. Hello there.
0: Back. How's it going?
1: You know, living. You know, doing. uh Just being here, talking about Last of Us. That's all. And thinking about Last of Us.
2: We're getting closer and closer to the Last of Us Part Two.
1: That was weird
0: the way that you said that. I know what you were trying to do, but <laughs> it just. You know when you hear people talk, it and didn't come out accentuate... the way I wanted to. Yeah, they want to like accentuate certain parts, but like they just can't. They don't have the 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 like the <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, like like exactly what right you just try to say? Exactly what you just yeah. try
1: to say, and then yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. all
0: we're all in the same uh we're all in the same boat here. We're all saying the I mean, same thing.
1: We're four for four with awkward starts, so we yeah. wouldn't have it any other way.
0: No, thank you. It's great. Um that's our podcast this week, so thanks for joining us.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, so we left on a pretty A big, somber, questionable, cliffhanger-ish note last episode um, was we talked about it being one of the most impactful parts of the game where we didn't really know um, what was going to happen next. We talked a lot about how this game so far has subverted a lot of your expectations. It's not really afraid to kill off any character or it's not really afraid to take the path that you don't expect it to take. Um, so really excited to talk about this week because it's a, it's, it's a pretty big point of the game where I, I, you know, obviously having played it before, I think all of us, uh, when we first played it probably reached this point and we're like, what the fuck just happened? Um, so I'm excited to dive in and talk a little bit more about it. So last week we left off just a quick recap last week, we left off, um, where the, uh The military ish the militant people, and like the security in the university essentially had converged on Joel and Ellie um Joel, in an act to protect ellie is uh like basically falls off like a a higher platform and is impaled on like this rusty metal thingy sticking out of the ground. Um, and he basically is stumbling his way back to the horse so that they can get off the university grounds as they continue their search for the fireflies. And then as they get onto the horse and as they're leaving the university safely, Joel falls off the horse and appearing to pass out or is not conscious. And then it very abruptly cuts to the wintertime, and we are suddenly playing as Ellie. And that's where we left off last week, uh, last Mm week. So, wintertime. Yeah, um, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting that it just kind of drops us in and doesn't really. There's no dialogue. There's nothing. We just see Ellie with a bow and
2: arrow. No, um, no, 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 no. We don't just see Ellie with actually, a
1: bow and arrow. The, no, no. no. We, we see the death. We see of that a poor rabbit, rabbit just get. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I remember just yes. being just like, "Oh, what a <laughs> by the arrow." I felt. Have you guys seen that? Uh, that I forget who it through. was. <laughs> Did you guys see that like a uh, streamer who was like reacting to that for the first time? And then no, they're I just like, know. "Oh my god, it's such a cute little bunny!" And then like you just see the arrow, and she's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so funny. Oh man. And so then funny. they
0: realize in about five minutes that they have to hunt a deer down across the entire <laughs> across the whole yeah. map range. <laughs> yeah, across the whole map that, yeah. that basically brings you right to where you don't want to be. Fucking deer. Um, yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. Clearly, the rabbit didn't have an impact on me like the way that it did on that streamer.
2: And us. No. And us over here. And us.
0: Yeah, and you guys. I, I seem, seem to be the only one that wasn't impacted by it.
2: You were just like, yeah, that's a regular day in Cuba for me. Or just
0: in my front yard. My dog attacked a squirrel yesterday, so mm-hmm. I've I've seen a lot of, uh, of of brutality in these last couple of days with my uh, wow. dog attacking wild critters. Yeah, it's great. Cat's dead. Um, Okay, so we see Ellie after seeing a rabbit brutally uh, murdered. We see Ellie just dropped into a very wintry-looking place. There's a lot of snow. There's lots of trees. She's got a bow and arrow, and what happens at this point? We hunt a deer, basically. We are for the next
1: trying to hunt. We're hunting deers. a deer,
0: yeah. So
2: we're
1: when we finally catch this deer, traveling this new snowy terrain.
2: Yeah, you finally catch this deer, and then we're all of a sudden confronted with Monsieur David. Who we don't know just yet, but we
0: uh, we do find out a lot about David's character, um, as we kind of are are in this like weird villagey area. David, appearingly, is very uh, like protective or it, it like seems good natured at the beginning. Um, he's willing to be able to provide ellie with medicine Mm -hmm. so this is one thing actually that i I, uh, i'm going to comment on really quickly because i remember joel's uh like death slash not knowing where he's at being a lot more suspenseful and a lot more drawn out Mm. and you actually find out pretty quickly that he's not dead or you find out that ellie is traveling with somebody that's injured which implies that she's still um, traveling with joel and that he hasn't passed away in this time you're right I, yeah. I remember it being quite different uh when I played it the first time through, and maybe it's just because I didn't know that he was alive, but I found that it just kinda it, it doesn't it doesn't get drawn out nearly as long as I thought it did. There wasn't like a big reveal moment. She just yeah. mentions that she needs medicine and then you make the assumption that Joel is still alive, and obviously you're correct, right? So There's
2: definitely less ambiguity when you're playing it, you know, a second or third time. But that first time that I played it, even though I had the medicine in my hand, I'm like, is Joel still dead? Like I still couldn't you know, until I saw him, I I wasn't confident yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it would
0: have been interesting and, uh, if like <laughs> Sam was at the uh, at the cabin. <laughs> hey,
2: that's yeah. what the medicine was for. That's what it was for. It was um, for the rabbit actually. And quick shout out too for, for
1: like uh for Nolan North who provides the voice of David. Who I had no idea it was him until I like, no, just none. Like you don't really hear it in his voice at all. And obviously, if you're wondering who Nolan North is, he provides a voice in pretty much every single video game you've ever played but in the naughty dog world he is known for of course being Nathan Drake.
2: Yeah. It's crazy. He literally sounds nothing like Nolan North. In that moment. Yeah, he he's uh I
0: honestly didn't even realize that it was him until I had looked up the 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 voice cast for certain characters, much like you guys, it just wasn't something that um that really stood out, but I guess it's kind of expected cuz to 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 your point Daniel like he's in everything ever. Mm. Yeah. Um <laughs> he's kind of like the actor that we talked or the, the voice actor that we talked about last week. I forget his name now. I'm so sorry. But uh but yeah, he the appears in oh, everything. Oh, Steve so, Blum. Uh, Blum? <laughs> yes, Steve Blum. Thank you. Yeah. Um Steve Blum and uh Nolan North, and, shout out to you guys for appearing in everything. Yeah. <laughs> So we basically run into David, and he has another—I'm going to call him a gentleman. He was not a gentleman. He has another gentleman with him who points a gun at Ellie, and uh, David seems protective at first. We don't know yet what his name is until we've kind of entered, and he starts to talk to Ellie a little bit, tries to get a sense of who she is. And uh, David seems to be pretty disarming. Like He doesn't really seem like he's causing any trouble at first, um, and you do traverse— uh, some 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 ground in this village as uh, clickers and runners start to attack the little area that you're in where they're kind of sharing a little bit about their backgrounds and why she needs the medicine and, and, and whatnot, um, or, or the fact that she's willing to trade some deer meat for the medicine. Um, so you do actually see them work together for a bit. So I don't necessarily feel like David is all that threatening at the beginning. But of course, as this develops, you start to find out that he's actually very, very threatening and very, very terrifying. Um, so we get medicine for, uh, Joel in exchange for some deer meat for who we've hunted, who, who, what we just hunted, sorry, earlier on, um, after the rabbit was violently murdered. And we essentially learn that David, um, knows about a girl, a young girl and an older guy that have killed a lot of, um, of people or a lot of people that belong to David's camp early on. Um, and that's kind of the way that we do find out that Joel's alive. It, again, it reinforces, you know, what we knew about the medicine for somebody being treated. But we find out that 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 Joel has still at least been participating in keeping the two of them alive um, in some limited capacity. Um, and then David seems to be very, very menacing in that moment because he is willing to let Ellie go with the medicine. But you get a sense that it's not just going to end there, that, you know, he tries to give his perspective. Everybody's trying to survive, but you definitely don't get a settled sense that things are over with David, and obviously they're not because we see a little bit more of him in the future. So what were your impressions as you, uh, as you first met David and you get into that area where you're kind of working together and playing as Ellie? Because playing as Ellie does feel quite a bit different than it does um, from playing as Joel. Um, and you're primarily equipped with really just a bow and arrow for the first little bit. So it, it actually feels very, very different in my opinion than, than it has up until this point. But what were your thoughts when you were playing through the Ellie sequence um, through the snow and then when you do eventually uh, arrive and meet David and, and talk things over with him a little bit?
2: Yeah, so for me, this part was uh, was a very cool sequence because obviously now you're finally playing as a different character. On top of that, you're you're introduced to a whole new element of snow. And I think the greatest parts about Snow is the, the graphical impression it can leave on you. And In a game that, you know, came out on the PS3, seeing footprints, seeing blood on the snow, seeing all those kind of elements. Um, I hadn't seen that good Snow graphics until I played God of War, which came out on the PS4. And I think that did a great job, too. So this is, this is a great sequence because you're playing through, you're, you're hunting. You know, survival is still an element of this game as always. And when you come across with David... It's kind of scary because you're not really anyone you've ever interacted with. in This game tends to either die or they're not a good person. So you're kind of apprehensive with Dave, but you go through it. You you fight a bunch of clickers, you fight a bunch of runners, and it's a uh, it's interesting that the kind of turn that it makes when you know they finally kind of exchange their goods with each other, and you kind of figure out that there might be an ulterior motive here. So I I really like this sequence. It's it's such a pivotal moment for me in the game.
1: Yeah, it's it's so true. And uh, when you when you kind of like think about just the whole winter setting too, just it just in winter, like pretty much everything dies, right? And like this is, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a type it's a time of year that just feels like you kind of feel that hopelessness more. Like seasonal depression is a thing, right? And like when you're seeing kind of the the events of the world of the Last of Us with the background of winter it's like man it's like you're just like it's like survival of not only just like what's going on but now the elements you'll have to deal with and the hunting and all that um and it's yeah especially when you're kind of now controlling ellie which is a brand new it's a, a brand new gameplay um idea that the game introduces to us so late in the game as well too uh you feel a difference just like on like the weight side like Joel is this kind of like hulking like, character that he feels heavy when you're controlling him but Ellie feels more agile it, rem- rem- it reminds me a lot of like um, in like Arkham City when you switch between Batman and Catwoman like there's that like you could just instantly tell the difference that, between like how they're maneuvering through um, maneuvering th- uh, maneuvering through the world. Um and yeah when we come to David David is such a character that like right from the get go that's just how you're introduced to him it's it's like in a standoff it's like who like she like she sees a deer that she was tracking taken down not by her arrow and then she realized not by her but like she then she sees uh david and the uh ellie calls him buddy boy over there i would forget his name but like uh like you see that like their whole interaction is like a standoff of like who's gonna who's gonna make the first move let me kind of figure out what's your motive here um, and then the gut, the game just literally from there, like when Spuddy boy goes to get the medicine, it just turns into a horde mode. Like you're literally just like, okay, batting down the hatches. You are everything you've learned in this game about being stealth and going quietly. It's like, you're going to make as much noise as possible now. Cause it's a shootout now.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, in terms of like Ellie playing differently, I don't, I don't necessarily feel very, di- like, other than the fact that you're playing with a bow and arrow primarily, which you can also do as Joel. She doesn't really traverse any, any really differently. She's a little bit more nimble. Um, in the way that you can kind of avoid uh, conflict, as you can see later on in this chapter, but definitely in the part leading up to when you get to David. And even as you're kind of navigating uh, like the the area where you're trying to escape, you don't really feel that different as her. But I, I don't want to talk too much about part two, but it looks like that's something that they've made very, very apparent in part two, like the way that Ellie traverses is much different, given that she's less grounded and she's a little bit more nimble and she's smaller, she can fit in smaller areas, she can jump, all that kind of stuff. Um, going prone, like that kind of stuff. So don't like I didn't really feel much of a difference in, in her uh, controlling but um, but you definitely uh, it looks like they've taken some of that and tried to really employ it in part two to make sure that there is a clear distinction in the way that right. she plays versus Joel Um Moving on to the next part. So now we see Ellie get back. Uh, she gets this medicine from from David um, and from Buddy Boy. And she gets back to uh, the house or basement or you know whatever area she's in. And you can see Joel is very much struggling still um, as a result of his wound. He's been stitched up. She has medicine for him and she injects um, the medicine into him. But peacefulness doesn't last very long as we suspected david is not just going to let her get away with the medicine and with killing some of her men he sent um, a lot of people after her uh, as she was followed when she left uh, david's village or david's um, small little area Um, and so the next part is ellie escaping basically on horse while leaving joel uh, in the basement of of this house to try to get away from everything Um, and ellie is uh i believe she's captured if i'm not mistaken and she is uh caged and is interacting with David uh, in some interesting ways um obviously David you don't really get a you get a menacing sense from him I think but he hasn't outright been a menace just yet um Ellie does see them cutting up like a body and she assumed well I guess she doesn't assume vocally but you could see why she would assume that that might be Joel because they found her there's the assumption is maybe they found Joel as well, um, but you see him cutting off body parts, and it's a very very grueling oh, it's, scene when they're in it's, the butcher it's shop. It's super, it's, really it's super up. messed
1: up, and especially when he hands her the plate of food, and she's just like, "Oh, is this this? What is this?" Yep. And he's like, "Dear," and she's like, "And what else?" And she's like, "And it's like, oh, just some other stuff," and like that's just disgusting. Like you know, There's like a... these guys are cannibals. These guys, <laughs> this is what they do to survive. There's a great line
2: in this in this sequence here when you know. Uh, when she breaks his finger and, you know, she plays that whole innocent card of like, like, you know, it's like, it's like he's like, oh, what's your name? And it's like, and she's like, I think she says like, Ellie, uh, you can tell them that a little girl broke your finger or whatever, you know, it's something like right. that. I'm, I'm butchering the line, but it's so well delivered.
1: Yeah. And, and just a follow up to that too, because, uh uh ellie kind of like earlier in that conversation she's talking to david and she's just like are you gonna what are you gonna do cut me into little tiny pieces or something and david uses that line against her after he she says her part about oh you could tell a little girl did this to you Mm -hmm. and then he kind of just looks at her like and so menacingly just says what was it you said little tiny pieces see you in the morning ellie and it's just like oh my god yeah she says ellie she says Ellie, and then he's like, what? He's like, tell him that Ellie is a little girl that broke
2: your fucking finger. And it's just so yeah. well done. Oh, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, you really get a sense of independence on Ellie's part. Like, like one of the things that I was really thinking of here is is the way that Ellie is, is um, scavenging and she's hiding. She learned a lot from Joel. As much as you don't see it in... Um, in like the interactions that she has with other people, like it's very clear that her survival instincts, the idea of hunting, being very resourceful, being very sneaky, being very intentional about the actions that she's taking, whether she trusts people and stuff like that. She's taken a lot of that from Joel. Um, and there was a part where I was playing through the sequence and I was just thinking like the Jolie, the, they, sorry, the Joel, The the Ellie that you met at the beginning of the game would definitely not be the Ellie that we're seeing right now had she not spent as much time as she had with Joel. So you see a lot of that imparted on her, which is what allows her to be able to survive throughout some of these sequences when she's you know severely outnumbered and she's really not in a place of power at all um, but she she really starts to adopt what we've talked about so much with joel which is the survive at any costs mentality um, and you see that throughout the sequence that leads up to her capture but especially when she's being captured and she's kind of backed into corner and obviously she's um, not the most physically dominating person in the circumstances that she's in, but she does find a way to get out of it, right, in a pretty gruesome way. One thing that I do love in the direction here, too, and I'm going to just call out the direction for a moment, um, the fact that it cuts back and forth between Ellie and Joel um, up until the point where you're in the, in the I think yeah, it's the diner the, with, um, or in, in the lodge. Sorry, yeah, with, so, with, uh, yeah so
1: literally, like, at this point, once uh, uh, we kind of escape and we begin our... Uh, Pursuit of david now this game just literally just turns it up to 11 with the the anxiety because you're literally switching between ellie now like ellie is kind of pursuing him and then we kind of get to joel who's now waking up and trying to figure out where's ellie so that becomes his priority so joel at this point too i just find he's like ruthless um he will do whatever it takes to find ellie now because ellie is the most important par- person in his life um, and he is just taking fools down, no prisoner. Um, and there's a there's a scene where he's like interrogating a guy, trying to find out where Ellie is, and oh he God. literally just like he asks where she is, and he's like, Oh, like fuck you, man, I'm not gonna tell you shit. And then he literally oh. takes his knife and stabs it into this dude's kneecap, and he's like, mm-hmm. I he's like, I will pop your kneecap off right now. Oh, I and felt that oh and the music the way the music changes there too it becomes so serious and it's Mm -hmm. so scary and you just see the rage and anger in his eyes and like right as joel's leaving that kind of i guess that cabin that they're in um the other guy's like i'm not telling you shit he's like it's okay i believe that guy and he kills him too and then he's just like you're just off now on like cutting between ellie and cutting between joel and like my heart was just like pounding a like a mile a minute uh with uh, during this sequence it's absolutely amazing.
0: I love going back and playing this part because I don't remember some of these specific moments. Um like you remember the the general um like like aura of of Joel and like certain things that he does but like this is one of those moments where like you're seeing brutal violence after brutal violence. Like you just saw a body get cut up. You just see Joel uh yeah, stab a dude's knee and then threaten to pop his kneecap off and and is like basically torturing these dudes in a really, really violent way as his friend is watching in the corner and he's just absolutely ruthless. And he's not yelling, he's not like over the top, he's very like composed and just like driven. Like he's like, This is what you're gonna tell me, this is what I need to know. And then he just disposes of these two dudes and like within a minute, it's 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 like this heart pumping like you described it, like you're just kind of high off of the energy that, that Joel kind of gives you in that moment. And it's it's pretty, you know, he's obviously still laboring. We've seen him be administered medicine and he's got this massive gash in his stomach that's stitched through. But like he's out and he's, he's administering a lot of pain to a lot of people for taking Ellie. Um, and it's just, it's such a great sequence. And that cutting back and forth, like I mentioned with the direction, like, you're not really you can see them kind of converging and you know that their stories are going to cross at some point in time. But it's just really interesting whenever you see, uh, you know, Joel's story progress and he's getting closer to Ellie and then Ellie's sto- uh, story with David progressing in a certain way. And you just see that that pending moment where they're going to kind of meet up and it's just really, really well done. It feels very cinematic and, and it's not something I've seen a lot of games do where they're willing to jump between scenes like that or or between protagonists so yeah um shout out to for not to uh, to naughty dog for just doing something that we really haven't i really haven't seen before i don't know if you guys have in other games but a narrative is yeah i mean especially
1: i don't think in this close proximity to one another at least because you know i mentioned earlier uh arkham city where we have sequences of playing as batman then it cuts to kind of Catwoman, and there's some it's interwoven a little bit that way but not on the level of of how quickly it's happening, it's like you're progressing a little bit with Joel. You're taking dudes down. You're popping kneecaps like no tomorrow. Oh God! Uh, and then it will just and then it will just progress. <laughs> wait listen. a second. Wait a
0: second. Wait a second. Did you just say oh God to the guy popping a kneecap when you shot? Listen, a dude Listen, listen.
1: That guy was turning. <laughs> it was he was doing him a favor. Like, popping a knee, popping a
2: kneecap isn't gonna kill the guy, but it's like no. it's like a lot of work. You know, it's, it's- a lot of work.
1: it will change his life Joel is just like in literally in rage mode just trying to get there (laughs) and you went full Spartan mode he he Spartan rage he unlocked that uh and then you're just kind of going to Ellie and like you're just seeing these they're kind of timelines converging and like it's just such a powerful moment when they actually do meet up and we kind of see what's happening between Ellie and David at this point I'll let you uh take the story beat over from here, Daniel.
0: Yeah, I think uh, so at this point we're basically seeing their stories converge like we talked about um and we end up in a spot where Ellie um causes a lot of havoc. So she is taken out of the cage after breaking um after breaking David's fingers and he takes her out of the cage and they basically put her on a on a on a on the platform that we see them uh chopping up the previous person who we don't know uh, their body and david basically goes to swing to cut ellie's head off or just basically injure Mm -hmm. her in a very significant way and there's a moment where i forget what distracts david but there's a moment that he gets distracted very 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 uh quickly and she takes it as an opportunity to basically uh just fuck just fuck this other dude up that's holding her down in favor of David. And she's, she sticks basically a butcher knife in his neck and then just kind of runs away from David and is able to kind of navigate out of this space. And then you're sneaking through the town, getting away from all of David's people. Um, and it's a really, really great sequence because there's flurries. It's not There's not a lot of high visibility. So in conjunction with the fact that you don't really have any weapons or anything, At this point in time that I remember, I think you can pick up weapons from people that you've killed, but you're really just trying to stay away from the main area or the main streets of the village to try to stay on the outskirts to kind of escape. And then you eventually end up in this one space where you're confronted by David and it's a pretty, pretty intense sequence between the two of them. And, of course, at this point in time, it's cutting back and forth from where we see Joel. And Joel is getting to the place that the person whose kneecap he almost removed uh, marked on the map. And so we're starting to see their stories really start to to, right. to get close to one another. There's a moment.
1: Um, um Sorry, go ahead. And then I, I was going to say there's a moment, ahead. too, no, where, no, ahead. Uh, you know, David is kind of like choking out Ellie. um, And it, it almost like implies like he's going to not just kill her, but he's going to do something a little bit he's a lot worse before he does that um and i and i kind of like remember watching it and just being just like is it like where is this going right now like because it it just said it seemed like he was taking it to a level where it's like is he about to try and like rape ellie right now like there's yeah. like that that moment it's like it's it's not laid out in front of you but it's like it's a little implied like he's going it's to, very implied i'd say yeah yeah it's it's like there's going to be another level taken here um so i was kind of doing some research into that and i actually read that nolan north he uh he was doing an interview with ign back in 2013 and he was asked specifically about the scene and he said that um he's like this is something that uh like David is the type of character that he would have he doesn't see it as rape he sees it as him trying to secure the future of humanity so he would of mm-hmm. course try and impregnate a woman um on his journey um mm-hmm. and that he is capable that he would be capable of that and i just mm-hmm. saw I'm like damn like that is such a a terrifying way to think of that um and but what is realistic too yeah and what this character was uh could have been capable of if he was the the vector of the scene,
0: yeah you definitely get that implication throughout it, and it's kind of it makes you really uncomfortable with David's character again, a character that wasn't very uh I didn't feel necessarily early on as threatened by him or that he was as menacing, but then as you gradually see the layers of David start to kind of peel away. Um, and you get a sense of this even as Joel goes into the uh, to the area that, that he knows that Ellie is hiding in. There's all these bodies being held right. in this cooler, uh, sorry, in this cold room, like from the ceiling. And there's a whole bunch of tools that are being used. So it's very clear that this is something that they've been right, sustainably right. doing for a period of time. And that the person that they cut up in front of Ellie was not just the first yeah. to have done that. And at least my thoughts there were, you know, David's not a trustworthy character. So when he did feed her the food, he swears to her, but is there a possibility that he also did feed her maybe human <sighs> meat because we see so much of it um, in in the areas exactly. that Joel was navigating? There's a possibility he may have just lied to her as well. So it's very discomforting. It's not a great sequence to, like, to be going through because there's just a lot of ambiguity and things that you can kind of assume but aren't right. explicitly stated. But yeah, super, super uncomfortable. <laughs> and the, this game tells thing. us
1: too not to trust this character almost – a few minutes after meeting him once he once david and ellie kind of first meets uh and ellie is pointing her arrow at them like saying hey put down your guns they lay down their weapons and it's not until they're kind of in that i guess that locker room in a in a, like in the next scene that he pulls out a gun and yes, she's like yeah. you had a gun and it's like right yeah. from that moment you knew that he's hiding something and yeah you can't trust this character
0: I guess there's two ways to see it though, because if he had the gun, there would have been ample opportunity to have shot Ellie. But if he was not holding the gun because he wanted to bait her into revealing where Joel was, knowing that there was a girl and a guy traveling with them, and obviously he only saw the girl um, hunting the, the deer, then maybe it was a self motivation. Uh, a self motivation. I I saw certain points leading up to when you find out a little bit more about David. Um, up until the point where it really Ellie breaks his fingers, like he seemed like he was trying to kind of work with her. Not that you entirely trust him, but he was kind of trying to work with her, being like you know trying to find out information. It just didn't seem as, um, like evil as it turned out that he actually was. Maybe I'm being more forgiving than I need to be, but I really try to see it through the lens of somebody that I might be experiencing it for the first time. Um, but yeah, like he he obviously is and he's got a lot to hide, but w- what his motivations were for hiding a lot of that stuff, it's kind of hard to tell whether he intended to do something different with Ellie, whether that's some of the stuff that, you know, was implied um or that you kind of get a vibe for that you mentioned uh, uh Baps or whether it was just a matter of he was waiting for the right opportunity to let her go so that he could lead the rest of them to Joel and eventually kill Joel and then take care of both of them more meat for everybody <laughs> God Oh meat. That, really.
2: more in meat a dark, for
0: everybody yeah, but that's the reality like we Looks see, like meat's back like, on the menu boys like, But keep in mind like remember if you pick up one of the notes that's in that cooler where you see the bodies it, it weighs out how much uh um, meat was being picked up by pound so it was something that was on on the on the uh, on the mind of the colony that was going out and finding people and using them so it's kind of fucked up but it's implied throughout kind of the course of when you're exploring with joel so um i don't think it's that outlandish it's gross but it's not necessarily that outlandish for what we saw from david um but yes we're basically at a point now where we're in a lodge and it's david and ellie and it's a showdown and uh it's a it's this is probably one of my favorite sequences of the game because you actually have to take out it's really the only part that feels like an actual yes. boss battle that isn't with just like a heavier set um, uh, infected. It's it's right. human versus human, right? So you, you see David navigating, you see him going prone and hiding. There's a couple of rounds where you have to attack him first. And then he eventually starts to navigate and use obstacles and, there's broken dishes on the ground that you have to make sure that you avoid or else they will hear you and charge at you. So it actually is a, quite a fun sequence to, 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 to play through because it feels so different from anything else. I also else found it yeah, personally so oh, very go ahead.
2: difficult. Like the first time I played it, I oh, don't yeah, know how many times I died. Yeah. I just don't know how many times I died when I tried playing the sequence. And, David is at his absolutely most menacing in this sequence too. So not only is like the restaurant catching on fire and Ellie is sneaking around everywhere, but you're like trying to avoid David and this damn like machete that he's hanging around with. So it was probably like, I I would say that the the infected definitely scared me, but this moment scared me the most.
1: Yeah, cuz we don't get much uh boss I don't think there's really any boss battles in this game other than like maybe a bloater or like the I guess larger sequences with a lot of infected, right? It's yeah. more it's more set piece moments rather than or story beats rather than actual boss characters, but this definitely had that feeling to it and um what a what a great feeling it was how the scene ends though with her grabbing that what machete and just mm-hmm. and
0: away hacks the fuck out of him little
1: tiny pieces little tiny pieces
0: As as the place is burning down and we see joel kind of rush in uh this is one of the first moments that um joel well we see actually joel interact with her after everything that they went through in the university um we talked about joel kind of being a little bit more warm toward ellie in those initial segments Um, when you're leading up to the university about sharing, you know, about his wife and about Sarah a little bit more, uh, or his ex-wife, I guess. Um, so you, you get a a better sense of Joel being warm towards her, not only in his endless pursuit of finding Ellie, but also when he picks her up or, or holds her in the, in the lodge and calls her baby girl, like that's something that, um, it resonated with me because up until this point in time, we've only seen a very, very hard shelled version of Joel. And it seems like he's really softened on, on Ellie and he's protective. He, he has embraced his role as her protector, um, but as well as, as a, as a, as a role model for her in a lot of ways, which is what we've seen her carry out throughout the course of this entire sequence. So, you never really see them um, together until the end of the sequence, but the beginning of uh, the ending of that sequence, I think, just really shows how much they've been through over those months that we don't see on screen. Um, that's allowed them to be able to, to to have the relationship that they have at this point in the game and also carrying through until the springtime, um, which is where the next chapter picks up. So we've seen David hacked bits. Uh, we see a last shot of Winter is basically a, mach- a very bloodied machete on screen uh in David's uh dead corpse again very very graphic i don't know if there's a more graphic part of this game than uh than everything that we see happen in the lodge and 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 the area that David's involved in but uh we basically get to the spring and uh we talk about how Joel is you know starting to kind of break down his barriers with Ellie and was something that really stood out to me at this point is that Joel as you're going into the spring, he's actually initiating a lot of the conversation Jelly. with Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never heard her call. That did it before. again? Jelly.
1: That's their. That's their uh, couple yeah. name. No?
0: That's the two of them oh my god. Yeah. Jelly. Like, uh, like, yeah. That's that's how I'm gonna refer to the two of them now. So, yeah, we so we see Jelly basically uh, together in the springtime, and Joel is actually starting to use. um, like a lot of of conversation starters with Ellie. Whereas in the past, we've seen Ellie really try to pull stuff out of Joel. So it's very strange to see Joel be the talkative one. Um, It's very apparent at this point in time that Ellie is introverted and something is on her mind. She seems off. And Joel even brings it up to her at some point saying, Hey, something seems off. Are you okay? Um, But he continues to have conversations with her about how, you know, when they're done meeting the fireflies, he's going to teach her how to play guitar. So this is also one of those moments where you start to see that Joel is no longer just trying to accomplish this task, but he's actually thinking about what happens after the task is accomplished, assuming that they're able to meet the fireflies, you know, fulfill whatever it is that marlene asks of joel to fulfill with ellie and then the aftermath is you know all of these things that they're kind of planning for together so i thought that was a really really we also uh just Um, just, uh before we go forward um at
1: the end of just just really quickly go back to the end of the david sequence um once joel does get to ellie like he also calls her baby girl like when he's kind of hugging her so it's like you're seeing that that's what daniel's saying yeah like it just like that just just love how dependent they are on one another now and uh yeah especially going to spring where it definitely feels a lot lighter of a of a of a time to be in and like ellie's kind of talking about her dream that she had about airplanes and things like that it's just it's just showing that like this new way of how they're going about with one another exactly
0: yeah, I'm glad you brought up the dream about the airplane because she also talks about how weird it is that she's never been on a plane, but she was able to dream about one. And Joel said something to the effect of like dreams are weird that way or or something to that effect. But it is really it is really cool to see them navigating and being very, very, um, like, I don't want to say not serious because the tone of the whole game is very serious. But it's definitely one of the lighter sequences where the stakes don't feel as high as they did in the lodge sequence. You're not trying to escape um, any anything in particular at this point in time. You're not really caring about any other characters that you've been introduced to. It really is just a Joel and Ellie moment. Um, and it really, uh, at this point in time, we see one of the most iconic parts of this first game um, in that we see giraffes. And that actually is what brings Ellie out of her quiet, kind of introver- uh, introverted, like, i don't know kind of to herself and not necessarily know what's going on with her um and she sees them and she just is immediately like taken back and she kind of runs toward them you can hear yelling in the distance towards Joel, and she seems like she's in disbelief Um, and it immediately brings up her her uh, spirits which is awesome and this is one of my favorite parts of the game because we've talked about it a lot in the previous two episodes but it really is that like that innocence and that 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 childlike wonder, and we haven't seen it really in a while since those first moments in the early chapters, it's, it's interesting to see it kind of come back to some of the earlier chapters in the game and reflect on it because we've seen them grind through a lot and that childlike wonder has kind of disappeared throughout some of the more grueling parts of this game. So for her to get a moment where she sees giraffes and we're not worried about anybody trying to kill them or chop them up into bits or anybody trying to... You know, bite them or attack them. It's just a moment that you can, can really sit in um, and enjoy. And and if you know this is if this isn't the mo if this isn't the time where you've used photo mode in the game, this is definitely the time to use photo mode in the game because there's not a lot really going on other than some really really beautiful um sights and sequences that you, that you can really spend time admiring. So, how do you guys feel about that part of the game?
1: It's uh just like you said. It's it's a really beautiful moment just seeing the giraffes and kind of again just be experiencing like you said that childlike wonder through her eyes because for every kneecap that she popped off in the last oh, scene and just throughout the game um you're just also rem- like reminding you like this game is telling you hey she's still a kid she's still seeing things for the first time she's still experiencing new things and again this reminds you of the age that she is and all like these horrific things that she's had to endure already um, and it's it's one of my favorite moments of the game, easily. Yeah, it's Sorry, uh, no, I was just gonna go say, go I remember ahead. um,
2: when this moment happened, and a few years later, when Apple finally announced uh, the anemojis, Jeff Keighley, who we've talked about before, he, he he made like a tweet about um, him as the giraffe from the um, from the game using the anemojis, and I think that the fact that that moment has resonated with people with so much, it's such a, it is a beautiful moment. And I agree with you. It's the most human moment after we have literally just gone through hell. So to kind of pause and reflect, it's, I think it's a brilliant moment. I took a lot of photos here. Um, I played with the
0: filters quite a bit. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And I really kind of practiced photo mode quite a bit, like just removing certain filters and kind of, the blur effect that you can add in the background. So it's a lot It's a lot of fun to actually use photo mode in this part. So for those of you that are playing with it and haven't necessarily touched photo mode, this is probably one of the more beautiful sequences of the game where you can really take advantage of it. I also found, I'm going to step back here for a moment, because I found myself actually using the, the bow and arrow throughout the last um, sequence in the winter quite a bit. I, we talked about it very briefly last time, about your weapon of choice. Up until that point in time, we always had the bow and arrow, but I didn't really give it much thought. But it's a super, uh, super useful stealth tool that I used a lot up until this point in the game, just from winter onwards. But at this point in time, and pretty much until the end of the game, um, other than some of the more heavy shootout sequences that we see once we get to the Firefly Lab... Um, I actually relied on the on the, on the bow and arrow quite a bit. It's a lot of fun to be able to use if you upgrade it, being able to increase its distance. It does a lot of damage, um, so it's actually quite fun to use. This was definitely a moment where I started to kind of pivot and start to be a little bit more um, diverse in, in the tools that I was using and the way that I was going about combat. So I'm kind of regretful that i didn't use the bow and arrow a little bit more in some of the in some of the sequences that i would have liked to uh have explored earlier on in the game especially with clickers and stuff like that since it's more of a silent weapon but um in my next playthrough i will definitely be using it a lot more Mm. because it's a ton of fun to
2: use it's a great stealth tool
0: Uh, yeah and, and it's so important when you're in uh uh, the winter sequences because as you're sneaking around with Joel or as Ellie like you really do have to be mindful of how many people are around because you're not left with a lot of resources we've talked about you know the scarcity of 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 ammo and weapons in some areas and I really wasn't feeling it up until the winter time and in the winter time as you're navigating through David's village and David's colony you really do feel like you're kind of scrounging for ammo and for resources and abilities uh, and and materials to be able to heal yourself and create weapons. So super, super useful. And I love the fact that you can go up to bodies sometimes and get your arrow back so that you don't necessarily always have to worry about uh, building new arrows or finding new arrows. You can actually reuse them to a certain degree. So Mm -hmm. I thought that's great as well. Worth mentioning for those of you that that haven't used the the bow and arrow. Yeah, and I'm excited
1: to see where it goes, obviously, in the sequel, because for a lot of what we've seen... Uh, promotional wise for Last of us part two we s- we're seeing a lot of Ellie and bow and arrow so yes um, I'm really excited to see that and see how they're expanding it and just making it even more accessible to use because as much as I loved um, using it uh, I wish that we were able to uh, pick up arrows that we shot like into people that kind of like re loot them and I- and I get to that this game also wants us to feel like we're just kind of getting by ammo wise and like kind of resource wise i would have loved to be able to just like shoot somebody with an arrow and then pick it up again i think they said you could do that in part two so excited to see that yeah
0: i wonder if you'll we'll be able to upgrade it in ways like i was always curious about the prospect of like a, <laughs> put a, put a scope on it you like know different things that you might be able to do <laughs> yeah put a scope or just make it yeah. like far cry basically or like crisis um, but yeah, being able to upgrade it, I think, it's in, in some different ways. That's one thing that I did find a little bit limiting on the tool bench. Um, and whenever you upgrade weapons, is it's only three or four attributes that you can really upgrade, uh, upgrade per weapon. It never gets really, really sensational, which I think is okay because the game is really grounded in its use of weapons. But I would be interested to find out the way that you might be able to augment or modify something like your bow and arrow maybe a little bit differently. And the crafting system looks like it's a lot more... Um, involved in part two than it than it was in part one. And it also just looks yeah, way cleaner as well. So we have now uh, passed the wonderful giraffes. And again, um, with some of what we've talked about, with Joel being a little bit more um, disarmed now and a lot more approachable and willing to have conversation with Ellie, Something that I also noticed is that he uses nicknames with Ellie. So we talked about in um, in the lodge that he calls her "baby girl" after everything that happens with David, but he also calls her "kiddo" um, while they're going through the triage area um, of the of the area that they're navigating after we've seen the giraffes. And I thought, I thought just how significant that was because Joel early on is not this guy, but he's really softened, and I think this is really the turning point where he sees um, Ellie and Joel. Um, sorry Ellie and Sarah being very very similar to one another or he's starting to equate Ellie to Sarah and maybe that's part of what's allowing him to be a little bit more open Um, he also starts volunteering information once they re- reach the triage because he talks about how it um, says something about Sarah and Ellie has this moment where she's really empathizing with him about how it sucks to have lost so much and she can't imagine being in a position that Joel was in to have lost somebody that meant so much to her Um, and then he, there's a really, really sweet moment where, uh, Ellie calls to Joel as you're progressing through the next area. And he actually gives her the photo of Sarah that Joel turned down earlier on in the game, um, at Tommy's dam, which we talked quite a bit about on the last episode about how he was this person that always wanted to move forward and and never really wanted to reflect on his past. And instead of, uh, you know, being, you know, protected about it or defensive about it or giving it back to her. He, he accepts it and he's visibly upset by seeing this photo. And I think it's just a great indication of how we've seen Joel's, you know, rough exterior break down and show that he actually is very Mm -hmm. caring and emotional, but he's not bill not been willing to show that with the audience or anybody else in this game, really, other than uh, with Ellie at this point in time. So I think it's just a really, really sweet moment um, and he says, "No matter how hard you try, you can't escape your past." And then thanks her for the photo. So, a huge turning point for his character here. Something that has been so definitively Joel up until this point of the game about not, uh, you know, moving on and navigating forward. Um, he finally kind of accepts that his past is a part of him and that he's not really going to be able to to escape that. And that excites me in some ways for what we're going to see in part two because if that's a theme, which it is for the rest of this game. Um, it's going to play into some of the stuff that we find out uh, later on in the, in the Firefly lab and also toward the epilogue of the game.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So at this point in time, we are again talking about uh, making plans about what to do after they're done with the Fireflies. Joel, uh, Joel and Ellie are talking about uh, going wherever Joel wants. So whether that's Jackson or somewhere else, um, Joel is talking to Ellie about teaching her how <laughs> to swim. Um, so it. It really is. There's not a lot of combat in any of these sequences. It's very, very tense in the moments uh, with David. And then spring is really just kind of this wind down time where there's a lot of reflection, a lot of great conversation between the two of them. There's tons of moments where you can prompt dialogue, optional dialogue between the two of them. Um, But I think the big theme here is that they're no longer just completing the mission. They're actually making plans about what their future is going to be with one another, if that's, you know, doing certain things or traveling certain places. And I think that that's really, really sweet um i don't know if you guys were able to have a lot of those optional conversations when you were going through your playthrough or if this if these moments really resonated with you as much as they did with me but i'd love to hear kind of what what your takes were on some of the stuff that that joel and ellie um are talking about i definitely tried my best to have
2: as many optional conversations as i could um personally on like my second or third play first play not so much i guess i might have just not realized or i was just trying to like you know, figure out what kind of happens next, but yeah, it's 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 great. Like the conversations they have, and on top of that, when you kind of go into her backpack, you'll see all the different things that she has. Like she she has the photo of him and Sarah, and then the books for the puns and the jokes. And as you kind of cycle through them, you know, she will also comment on that. So I think it's a, I think those moments are great, personally.
1: Yeah, it's it's beautiful moments, and yeah, she'll she'll take out like the the robots and kind yeah. of remember like Henry and Sam, and like you said, the the pun books. Um, Which we haven't met Riley because we also see Riley's Firefly pendant, um, which we'll talk about next week. Um, But yeah, like you're seeing things that are alluding just more to her either history or just who she's kind of been built up to be now in these last few seasons of being with Joel. Um. Yeah, and and, like, there's so much. There's so much here. It's weird when I think of The Last of Us, I think of this season specifically. I don't know why. It just it kind of just because it's so close to the end as well. Um, and there's just so like the world is so beautiful. It's such a big open area. Uh, I hate, I hate, I hate the stupid bus terminal area because I that took me so long to get through because there's so many infected (laughs) in that sequence that like you really have to be either prepared to fight or be as stealth as possible kind of going across those bus stops.
0: Yeah, I was definitely stealthy in those parts cuz the uh, the bus uh, the bus terminals a pain in the ass, I agree. And it's I think it's kind of telling that you can have such a uh, a difficult if you're playing on some of the more difficult uh settings it's definitely one of the more difficult parts of the game to navigate if you're not going the stealth route just because you can be overrun very easily but to be quite honest with you like though when we think about the spring or when i think about the spring i don't really think not about at the all combat moments which if i think if i think about the previous seasons like winter and um and when we're in the fall when we're in jackson and, and we're in the dam and stuff like that you actually think about a lot of the the, the, the battle sequences and it's stuff that we discussed quite a bit i don't like those aren't the parts that really resonate with me in this spring. It is a lot of that dialogue that they're having with one another and a lot of the turning of the corner of their two characters and I think that that just speaks to how much was invested into making sure that they feel like they're actually developing and that we're starting to see their relationship really evolve and this is this this is the season that's most indicative of some of those changes uh those changes sorry um so you kind of i don't know I don't know if you're the same way Baps, but while they are hard sequences, when you're when you're fighting through them, they actually are no, not that at memorable all in the grand scheme of some of the other and that, and that's exactly that it. See, I just right? think
1: of being kind of in this area because this also this area reminds me a little bit of Boston just like the kind of the greenery kind of taking over, um, but just more in the sense of like these are the characters how I remember them now like because they have that relationship it's Joel and Ellie now and that's like when I think of the Last of Us I think of them like this because I think this is them at their most um, Calm and just kinda good with one another. Like there's no animosity between them at this point in this story. They're them just being Joel and Ellie together, which I really like.
0: Mm-hmm. They exactly. trust each other, I think, at this point. I think that's been such a huge part of the of the game so far, is Ellie being so tentative, and we've seen these signs of her not necessarily trusting others, but they seem completely comfortable and accepting of one another and Again, we've talked about it a couple times, but the idea that they're actually making plans outside of just getting her to the Fireflies, I think shows that they actually enjoy each other's company and that they want to be around one another, regardless of the fact that this mission um, seems to be getting to 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 the point where it might be completed soon or that they're getting closer and closer to the Fireflies. Um and I think that's it's very touching and it's a very, very sweet um sequence and a very sweet part of the game to to really reflect on and spend your time um bonding the two characters if you really can. If you can have those optional conversations, do them. I, I would encourage anybody that's playing the game to do them. Um, at this point in time so we've been talking about the teaching her uh, ellie how to swim the reason that that comes up is because there's a sequence here where joel is again trying to find wooden paddles to get uh, ellie to be uh, on so that she can kind of float across it's it's a theme in the game that she can't swim so there's always these really comical moments of dialogue whenever he has to find like a, a plank for her to step on um you actually hear ellie Uh, comment on it and say, I know what I'm doing or like, here we go again or something like that. Um, So it's a lot of fun to kind of hear them uh, banter back and forth about teaching her how to swim after the fact. But we're basically getting to a point now where they're getting to where they believe the fireflies are in Salt Lake city. Um, and then there is a quick sequence. Everything seems very, very peaceful. Um, you do face some infected in the tunnels as you're getting to some of these parts. There is a sequence where you face two floaters, as well as a bunch of runners. And unless you're using Molotovs and you have ammo, it is a difficult sequence to get through. I had to go through it quite a few times. <laughs> I failed. Um, and then after that, we run into a moment where uh, Joel is basically... Um, collapses and is in a bus and it's filling up with water very quickly and between the two of them um, they both are are underwater Ellie obviously can't swim so she almost drowns uh, and then Joel is able to get her body and bring her to an area where Uh, is at the end of the tunnel where there isn't as much water, and he is trying to save Ellie or trying to basically resuscitate her, and he is met with people that are carrying guns and very aggressive in approaching the two of them, and Joel is promptly knocked out, and then we see Marlene, and that's pretty much where this sequence ends. Um, We don't really know what happens with Ellie because she's not resuscitated on screen at this point in time, so very similar to kind of how we saw Joel and... um, the, the fall, we kind of see Ellie end in spring where there isn't really a definitive um, um, conclusion to, as to what happens to her. And at this point in time, we see Marlene for the first time that we have since the beginning of the game. And that's really where we're going to kind of leave today's episode because the next little bit of the game is the final sequence and it's very emotional. There's a lot to discuss within the Firefly Lab um, as we kind of talk about some of the things that are found in the Firefly Lab. And then next week, we're also going to talk about Left Behind, because Left Behind does take place, if I'm not mistaken, in the bus depot, if I'm not, if I'm not off, it's, or at what point in the I, game does it take place? From what I understand, it's right uh, when
1: Oh, baps. he said BAPS, I think. But well, we'll I was
2: go. already talking first. I don't know why. Am I in this conversation? It sounds like it's just Daniel and Daniel talking. Speak. <laughs> D&D. It's D&D on Sunday.
1: All right, go ahead, Daniel.
2: Tuesday.
1: No, no, Please. No, 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 no.
2: White, <laughs> guys. Go ahead. I get it. I get it.
0: No, 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 no,
2: no. no I'm actually no, going to distract my mind. <laughs> from from what I understand, it takes place right around when you know Joel is, um, uh, pretty much out, and um, this is happening during that moment where you're just as Ellie, from from what I remember. Daniel.
0: So it takes place yes. in winter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, if you're not if you're not mistaken, okay, yeah, I yeah in the bus depot. So it's it
1: literally place. like right after, um, the university and Joel gets injured, um, mm-hmm. and it's left behinds kind of telling two non-linear stories here. So we're seeing, um, Ellie in the bus depot trying to get through, uh, and get medicine, get a first aid kit for Joel, and then we're also seeing her and Riley three weeks before. The events of the game that we've been talking about, and Left Behind ends right before uh, that. Caught the Lakeside Resorts section of the game, which we spoke about,
2: right.
0: So we'll dive into that next week and we'll talk about um, some important characters or an important character that has yet to be brought up in the game at this point in time or hasn't been brought up in a significant capacity, sorry, as, as they are uh, mentioned later on in the game. Um, so we'll talk about that next week and then we're going to talk about the big finale of the game. Um, in our in our last episode of covering the narrative of the game, and then we'll have another episode that talks about just the epilogue and some of the lore that has come out of The Last of Us. Um, so super excited to get into these last couple weeks. Thank you, everybody who's participated, who's listened, who's sent us questions as we got last week, and um, we're just shortly over two weeks to The Last of Us Part Two. so we are excited to not only finish this podcast series, but also to finish it and being able to play the last of us part two, just a few days after we wrap up the, um, the podcast. So thank you everybody. We will be running a contest as well. So for those of you who follow us and have been listening to the last of us podcast, thank you. We will be running a contest starting either this Friday or next. I haven't quite decided just yet. So stay, stay tuned to the slice Instagram page. Um, we'll post more details about what that giveaway is. It is last of us related surprise surprise. Um, but it will be a lot of fun, um, and hopefully you guys have been listening because there might be some trivia involved into into some stuff. Hint, hint, episode two. So listen to episode two if you haven't already. If there's anything else that you want to add, guys, go ahead. Um, we're a little bit shorter this week than we have been the last couple weeks, but uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week and the week after, so if you have any last thoughts, mention them now. <laughs>
2: Not, or forever hold
1: your kneecaps. Um, yeah, no, I'm just... I can't believe how close we are. I mean, we're recording this on June 2nd. Um. We are so close to um, being able to I actually play do. this game. And, yeah. you know, critics and influencers have their copies already and they are playing it. Because uh, we know Im- the review embargo will be dropping next week on June 12th. So... I'm just on the Friday. Yeah. Friday. So maybe next week we could try and predict yeah. what scores we'll get from like the major, the big, uh, review sites. But man, we are we are so close and I just can't wait. We can just do it now. It's getting <laughs> 10, <Yeah>. <laughs> this 10. game is the, <laughs> the previews that I'm hearing, simple, the people that,
2: you know, can't see anything. They're just like, this is game of the year. And, and I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say 10. Yeah. Easily.
0: Depends on the publication, I guess, because the ones that are just going to give it a nine point seven for the sake of giving it a nine point seven. But I think we will see unanimously ninety and above scores unless it really does disappoint. But by all accounts, it, it hasn't yeah. And so,
1: I so think far, I so. think this is one of those games too that you know uh, we kind of we've gone to a place sometimes with games where it's like if it doesn't get a ten, it's like what's wrong with it. And even if it's a nine or a nine point five, we'll be like, well, it's not a ten, even though that's still an amazing score. Um, I think this game will still end up getting a 10. But even if it scores nine or 9.5 or whatever it is, I think it's going to be a game of the generation.
0: I don't think your view, I don't think this is one of those games that review scores are going to dictate whether people play it or not. I think it's going to be about their investment into the previous, right? like into the last of us and the lore of the last of us and anybody that's really played Naughty Dog games. I think that that's, that's kind of the nice thing. I enjoy seeing that rather than, you know, waiting for a game review to come out, whether it dictates whether we're going to play it or not, this thing could score a one out of 10, and we're we're still going to be playing yeah. it at midnight the day that it comes out. Um, and I think it's just a testament to... I mean, we all expect it to be a very good game based off of Naughty Dog's track record, but there's also that... we, we Clearly, we love this game to the point where we're talking about it for six weeks straight uh, on a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, the investment there, I think, from the fan base has just been so positive over the course of the last seven years that it's going to be really tough to, to, to disappoint or not at least live up to some people's expectations. Mm -hmm. So we are definitely excited. Okay. So thanks again uh, for joining me guys. Uh, Shay, Baps, appreciate your presence and appreciate all of your input this week. Um, Next week will be a big episode talking about the Firefly lab, as we talked about before. And, uh, and thanks for joining us listeners and everybody out there that has been supporting the podcast um, we're holding a five on iTunes uh, or on Apple podcasts right now. So keep it up. Give us a five. If you think that we should get a five or 4.7 or whatever you'd like. Um, but we appreciate all of the positive feedback that we've been getting. So thank you everybody out there. Have a great week. We will see you next week for part four, which will wrap up the story of the last of us part one. And, uh, and we're two, two weeks away. So 16 days, everybody look forward to the sequel. We sure as hell are looking forward to the sequel at this point. Take care, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.